0: Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. Uh, God is good, and uh, I'm excited to be here. And uh, if my family noticed, I just touched my head, and uh, that was for you. Um, I just want to to let you know that we uh, put on our website, on our download tab, there is a handout that I actually called um, a guide, because I'm gonna use some of it as notes today, uh, but some of it is stuff we've already covered, and so many people have reached out to me, um, saying, you know, I those screens aren't up long enough, I didn't get this, or I, I didn't get that, and uh, where do I find this? And so I put a packet of information together, and uh, I emailed you the link, and I sent the link, it's also on our Facebook page, and uh, also just wanted you to know that uh, those, those are there for you. And if you didn't have a chance to print them off before service, uh, hopefully you will have a chance after. But I did list some of the resources that I've referred to over the last couple of weeks. And um, the different podcast, video series, books that are there. I will let you know the book, is, the book by Frank Viola is actually called Insurgents. Insurgents. It's the gospel reclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And so I put the wrong title on there. So that's there. And then also the untold story that we've been going through. And uh, we should have read chapters 1 through 6. Um, the Gospel of Luke, different passages from the Old Testament, and then Acts chapters 1 through 4 this week. And I want to encourage you, uh, read those chapters in the book of Acts several times as you go through the, the week. Read them in different translations and try to begin to look for some of the things that we've been talking about. Uh, as we went into this year, um, one of the things that was on my heart early last year was that we would be a people that would know the Word of God, that we wouldn't, uh, there's a, There's a push or there's a saying in our our world today that that Americans are biblically illiterate. Um, And that doesn't mean that we just don't know certain memory verses. It means we don't understand the scriptures. And Rick DeBose, who is our assistant general superintendent, put together a resource for this year so that we would become a people that know the word. And he was actually going to be our speaker at our district council in April here in South Dakota this year. And the theme of that district council was... Know the word. And so I was excited. Something leaped in me when I heard about that last August, because I knew that this is where we would be going into this year and uh, that we were going to be trying to know the word. And we're going to be reading through the untold story and all of the New Testament books, the letters that are written from now and through the end of this year. And so this week, we're going to read chapter 7 from the book, The Untold Story, and then Acts chapter 5 through Acts chapter 11, verse 18. And uh, you can find those on Slack. You can find those on the, the handout that I gave to you. And uh, all of those are there for you and just wanted to uh, draw your attention to that. But today, uh, I titled the message, Our Mission. Um, I like putting what part we're on. I joked with Pastor John this morning and said, uh, this is part six. And that just reminds us that this is the sixth week that we have had to do online services. And so uh, we started this series back when we had to start online services. And so that's a little tracker for us. Maybe some of you don't like that. But the title of this message actually is called Our Mission. And just as a recap, um, if we look back in Genesis chapter one, we see that the world was in chaos God brought order to the chaos and called it good. Then the world was thrust back into chaos when Adam and Eve uh, deliberately disobeyed God. They sinned. Chaos back. And uh, the chaos grows in Genesis chapters 4 through 6. But then God has a partnership with a man named Noah to begin to restore order. And if you look at Genesis chapters 6 through 9 uh, in the the, the Old Testament Hebrew Scriptures, you actually see a lot of parallel to the Genesis account. And so it's like God is recreating creation through the flood. The flood, the chaos, the water, just like in Genesis chapter 1. And then there is new life. And then Genesis chapter 12 we're introduced to the family that God is going to use to bring order back to the, the earth. Uh, that's his partnership. And this is not a perfect family, uh, but this is a, pam- a family that is after God's heart. And uh, so God uses them. And then starting in Exodus, we, we started talking about the narrative that God is telling, all the way from Exodus to Revelation. And the narrative, we described it as the tale of two kingdoms. There is a kingdom of empire, a kingdom of the world, and then there's a kingdom of shalom, a kingdom of God. And they are different kingdoms. They both operate right now on the earth. And uh, I, I promise you, the kingdom of empire, Jesus told his disciples, he said, beware of the yeast of, of Herod. That's the kingdom of empire. It is so subtle and it creeps into our lives and uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But one of the promises that continues to be repeated throughout the scripture, and I don't know if you noticed the, the song that we used as a countdown video over the last several weeks is actually a song by North Central University. They wrote it and they performed it and it's called You Will Be Our God. And I purposely have used that song, and I don't know how many more weeks I'm going to use it, but because of the promises, and you'll find these scriptures written out on that handout, but here's the references over and over, this concept of God saying to his people, I will be your God, 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 I will dwell among you. And then all the way to Revelation, it's repeated way more than this, this is just a highlight. But Revelation chapter 21 says, now the kingdom of God has come and God has is dwelling among his people. That's like the culmination of the story. And so as we look today at our mission, as we look today at how we can trust the story, I want us to go first to Leviticus chapter 23. So if you want to open your Bible, you can. If you want to go back later and look at these scriptures. But Leviticus chapter 23 is basically a chapter that talks about all of the, the feasts or the celebrations that were supposed to be a part of the Jewish calendar or Jewish life. And it starts, the first part of this in, chap, in verse 3 of Leviticus chapter three, 23, excuse me, talks about the Sabbath. And the Sabbath was celebrated every single week. It was a day set aside to the Lord. It was a day for rest. It was a day for worship. It was a day to to reset, if you will. It wasn't supposed to just be a day. It wasn't about just taking a day off. You know, so many times uh, people in our our culture today, they say, Hey, Pastor, do you Sabbath? Do you take a day off? It's not about a day off. Um, Yes, we rest. Yes, we step outside of our normal routine. But it's about a reset. It's about learning how to live from Sabbath, not learning to live towards Sabbath. Not work real hard all week just so I can rest but I live from a place of rest. I live from a place where I remember God is my provider. I live from a place where I remember I'm in, in, I'm in covenant with God, not because of me, but because of Him. And so it's this total reset and out of that day should come the way we live our entire lives. And uh the Jewish people got that wrong. If you remember, they started having all these rules about what you could do or not do on the Sabbath. And remember, Jesus said, hey, guys, the Sabbath wasn't created uh, for for um, us. It was created for you. It was created as a reset. So stop making it about trying to please me on the, or God on the Sabbath, not me, God on the Sabbath. It's about learning to reset. And then in verses 4 through 8, we, we get the idea of the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We talked about this last week in great detail. The first month of the Jewish calendar is the month that Passover celebrated in. On the 14th day of that month is the Passover celebration. And, you know, you would take a lamb and you would tie it in your house. Basically, you took care of this lamb for like a couple days, and you got close to the lamb, and you, you know, all oh, the kids love the lamb, and then you slaughtered the lamb in front of the whole family. Even your children would watch this brutal slaughtering of this baby, this baby lamb that you had taken into your home and cared for, and then they watched the slaughter of it, because God wanted his people to remember what he did. Remember bringing them out of Exodus. Remember the slaughter of the firstborn. And we're going to talk about uh, what that means for us a little bit later in the message today too. But the blood of the lamb caused the death angel to pass over the homes of the Israelites. And so they're remembering that. And we talked last week about the symbolism that's found for us in the book of Exodus, in these promises that God gave to the the people. Remember, I will bring you out. I will free you from being slaves. Okay, that's different than bringing them out because that's about their identity. It's about changing their mindset from a slave mentality to a Uh, a free people mentality. How do we live now as free people? I will redeem you and I will protect you. That promise where he says I will protect you is about I will take you as my own people. And we talked last week about those cups that they drank from as a part of the, the celebration of the Passover, the cup of sanctification, the cup of deliverance, the cup of redemption, and the cup of protection, sometimes called the cup of completion or the cup of restoration. But we also talked about that fifth cup. That we found in Jeremiah chapter 25 about the cup of God's wrath that was poured out. And Jesus totally drank that cup for us. And so that was last week. But then the day after the the Passover becomes the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So for seven days, they don't eat yeast, they don't eat uh, bread with leaven in it. It's just commemorating that coming out of Egypt. And leaven represented sin, it represented the ways of Egypt. And so we're celebrating, we're commemorating that Feast of Unleavened Bread. This is the time Jesus is buried, okay, buried in the tomb. So Passover, he dies on our behalf, and then he's buried in the tomb as the Feast of Unleavened Bread starts. But then what is called the Feast of Firstfruits is in verses 9 through 14. This is what happens the day after the Sabbath of Passover. So Sunday morning, when Jesus rises from the dead, he is actually risen on the Day of Firstfruits. This is the beginning of the barley harvest, and you're supposed to take the first sheath of barley, take it to the temple, and wave it as an offering of first fruits to God. And then if you go to John chapter 20, verse 17, when Jesus has risen from the dead, he says here um, to, I believe it's Mary as she's in the garden, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Or to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Many scholars believe that Jesus actually ascends to heaven and he waves this offering. As in a first fruits to the Lord. He waves it to the Lord. He is the first fruits. In 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty three, the Apostle Paul says, Jesus is risen from the dead as the firstfruits among many brothers. He's the first to rise from the dead. That's the Feast of Firstfruits. So we come back to Leviticus 23. Now on verses 15 through verse 22, there's what's called the festival of weeks. The festival of weeks. And so for seven weeks... Okay, seven weeks, there is this festival of weeks that's starting, and on the 50th day, so count off seven weeks, seven Sabbaths, and you have what is um, 49 days. So you come to the the 50th day. It's actually what we refer to as the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost, and I'm going to switch microphones because we're apparently still having problems with this mic. So we come to the Feast of Pentecost, or the culmination of the Feast of Weeks. This is the start of the wheat harvest. Okay, barley harvest starts earlier. Now we're going into the wheat harvest. And for the Jew, when they celebrate the Festival of Weeks, they're commemorating, this is important, the giving of Torah, the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. And so in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 22, right in a part of this, we're told this, when you reap the harvest of your land, Do not reap to the very edges of the field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. So, what you drop. So, as you're harvesting, you're going to drop some. Don't pick it up, leave it there. Don't go all the way to the edges, leave them for the poor and the foreigner. This is so, so very important. You're going to read this throughout the Old Testament. You're going to read this throughout the teachings of Jesus. Jesus is very concerned. God is very concerned with the poor, with the foreigner, with the widow, with the orphan. He is hearing the cry of those who are being oppressed. That cry rises to God, and his people are supposed to be a kingdom of priests that doing that are doing something about that cry. And so it's a reminder right here on the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Pentecost, when you start harvesting, remember, you don't need to provide for yourself. You don't need to go to the very corners. I'm your provider. I'm going to care for you, and I want you to symbolically show the, the the poor and the foreigner that I am the God who cares for them. Just like you were a foreigner, just like you were slaves in Egypt, remember that. And then we're not going to go into, uh, in great detail, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and then the Festival of Tabernacles. This was the seventh month of the Jewish calendar. We come to the end of the harvest, the end of the dry season, and we're waiting for rain, okay? We're hoping rain starts coming now that we're going to start planting. And there's a Festival of Trumpets that's a part of that, the Day of Atonement, the one day a year that the sins of all of the people. This is the unknown sins, okay? Because if you sinned willingly, you brought a lamb, or you brought some type of sacrifice to atone for the sin that you knew you committed. But for the sins you don't know you commit. Okay, the Day of Atonement, that's what that's all about. Okay, the Day of Atonement covers for those sins. And it's on the 10th day, we're to deny ourselves. And then right after that, the 15th day is this festival of tabernacles. And one, one verse I want us to read, because this is the only feast that they're to celebrate Okay, they're supposed to be joy. And so if you look at Leviticus chapter 23, verse 40, on the first day of this, this festival of tabernacles, take branches from luxuriant trees, from palms, willows, and other leafy trees, and rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Now, this time is actually symbolic of when they traveled in the wilderness and God protected them and provided for them. And it's so interesting to me that they're supposed to celebrate this time, commemorate this time with joy, because this was not their finest hour. I mean, they did not do so well. They kept failing in the desert, but yet we're constantly reminded of the faithfulness of God, His His promise to them, his protection to them, even in their unfaithfulness, he continues to do that. And if you go to the book of Nehemiah, when Ezra begins to read the law and the people begin to weep, it's during the the feast of tabernacles. And so that's why Ezra and Nehemiah say to them, do not weep. This is not a day for weeping. Even though they're like, wow, we haven't kept the law. Wow, we haven't done all these things. And there was so much sorrow in their hearts, but they're like, don't weep. Today is a festival of joy to the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And that's a powerful analogy. I wish we could talk about it all day. But Jesus in John chapter 7 is at the Feast of Tabernacles when he says, um, out of your belly, if you believe in me, will come rivers of living water, speaking about the Holy Spirit. That's actually the festival of tabernacles when he's in Jerusalem. So, But now I want to go to the location of God's story. Okay, so... That's a little bit about the feasts and how those continual feasts are supposed to be a reminder to them of God's story. But I want to look at where they get this information. And so in Exodus chapter 19, we know that the Israelites are at Mount Sinai. They've already had the Passover. They've come out of Egypt, and we believe that they're here on the Feast of Weeks, the the Feast of Pentecost, when God comes down on the mountain and he speaks to them, and he says... You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and I brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And these are the words to speak to the Israelites. Now, when we think of a kingdom, we we a lot of times think of a, a, like a, a land or geography, but a kingdom is anywhere the king reigns. So anywhere his will is done, that's the kingdom. The subjects serve the king. They go out and they do his will. So God brings them to the mountain, and he is not saying you have to do these things to get saved. You have to do these things to be my people. I've already brought you out. I've already made you my people. But now that I've made you my people, here is my my law. Here's my Remember we said as a wedding ceremony, here's the vows that we're going to take to each other today. And this is how all the world is going to know who I am. You're going to put me on display. You're going to show them who I am. You're going to be a completely separate people. And he comes down and he gives them this law and he tells them to go out and display who he is the the people of Israel know this story they know this history they have rehearsed it in their homes they've heard about it in the synagogue the, over and over they know the story of the feast of weeks and they know pentecost and they know mount sinai but there's another mountain there's mount moriah and mount moriah we're actually introduced to in genesis chapter 22 Genesis chapter 22, God says to Abraham, I want you to go and I want you to offer your, your son Isaac on a mountain, Mount Moriah. And you know the, if you know the story, God provides a ram to sacrifice in place of his son Isaac. Okay? That is symbolic of Jesus taking our place. We no longer have to be sacrificed because Jesus took our place. God provided on Mount Moriah. Now, Mount Moriah comes back to us in 2 Samuel chapter 24. The, David does a census, and Chronicles tells us that the, Satan incites David to take this sentence, and there's a plague that comes on the land of Egypt, and in order to stop it, David buys a threshing floor... Okay? And that threshing floor is on Mount Moriah. 2 Samuel chapter 24. And then if you go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 3, you'll see that Solomon later builds the temple on that very threshing floor that David purchased where he sacrificed to stop the plague on Mount Moriah. So Solomon builds this temple. It's Destroyed by the Babylonians later on, it's rebuilt by Ezra and Nehemiah, and then it's renovated by Herod. But the temple mount on Mount Moriah now becomes the mountain of God. Okay. So this whole story is about God wanting to walk with his people. We saw it in the Garden of Eden and we've been separated, but God wants to walk among his people. And so he institutes the tabernacle, the place where heaven and earth meet. God came down on Mount Sinai. He told them to build a tabernacle, put it in the center of the people. And then he comes down when the tabernacle is all built, comes down with fire. He goes into the tabernacle. That's where he's going to dwell. It's in the center of his people. That's where there's forgiveness of sins. And there's this message to bring people back to my house, to bring people to the place where God dwells that we're going to see throughout the scripture. It's in the tabernacle. And then it becomes a part of the temple. The temple, ironically, they call it God's permanent home. God never calls it his permanent home. The people of Israel call it his permanent home because it's the place where heaven and earth meet. It's the place where there's forgiveness of sin, and it's where you bring people back into the Father's house. They're taking care of the poor out of the temple. Okay, the tithes come into the priesthood, and out of the storerooms of the temple, they're caring for the poor. They're caring for the foreigner. They're doing these things. They're bringing people back to the Father in the temple. Then Jesus comes on the scene. in. In John chapter 1, okay, John says that the word became flesh, Jesus, and made his dwelling among us. That word is the word tabernacled. Jesus tabernacled among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus now is the place where heaven and earth meet. Remember, he told his disciples, you're going to see angels ascending and descending, referring back to Jacob's dream and Bethel, the house of God. I am the place where heaven and earth meet, Jesus is saying. So when he was going to heal the lame man and he said, your sins are forgiven. You, What's he talking about? Sins can only be forgiven in the temple, the place where heaven and earth meet. Jesus is saying, I am where heaven and earth meet. In John chapter 4, he tells the Samaritan woman, you're not going to worship in Jerusalem. You're not going to worship on this mountain because you're going to worship where the Spirit is. And that's going to be coming. So Jesus dies. He becomes our Passover lamb. He drinks the cup of God's wrath. And then he institutes this new and living way. And we started reading about this new and living way this week in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1. Luke is writing to Theophilus, and he says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. Remember the Gospel of Luke. And after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit, okay, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, gave instructions to the apostles that he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Jesus never appears publicly after his resurrection, but he does appear, the Bible teaches us, to up to 500 people at one time. And he appears to them, and he preaches to them this gospel of the kingdom, or this message. And we also get pictures of it in the gospel of Luke, chapter 24. Look at what Jesus teaches to some of his disciples on the road to Emmaus. He says to them, How foolish you are. How slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Okay, He's like, "You you should know this. You have studied it. I have taught you this. You're good Jews. The prophets have pointed to this. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses, the law, and all the prophets... He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Then if we look at Luke chapter 24, he's with all of his disciples at this point. And he says, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. And he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. I want you to understand this. Even before the Holy Spirit is being poured out on Pentecost, he's taking time to teach them diligently from the Scriptures. I mean, why didn't he just be like, hey guys, it's good to see you. You know, just want to hang out with you a little bit. He's taking time to introduce them to the things they need to know. This is going to be important. It's going to provide the context for what Jesus is going to do. And it's so interesting because... The disciples then ask him, hey, are you going to restore the kingdom? I mean, we remember from the writings that you're going to restore the kingdom. And he's like, guys, it's not for you to know those things. You need to understand this. You're going to be witnesses of me because the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to be poured out. He's trying to provide context. If we do not understand this, like the disciples, we are going to to spin our wheels trying to create a utopian society here on the earth, a physical kingdom. A physical representation of the kingdom of God. We want to have a society where God reigns, where God's our king. And God's like, no, my kingdom is everywhere my followers declare my message and proclaim who I am. You do not need to establish a physical kingdom on earth with my empire. That's going to happen later. And we can easily slip into that too if we're not careful. And so then he goes up into heaven while they're watching, Luke tells us. Here in verse 51. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. They stayed continually at the temple praising God. That does not mean that they never left the temple. That means that they regularly went to the temple. As a Jew, there were hours of prayer at the temple. There were hours of sacrifice. Jesus actually died at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 3 o'clock in the afternoon, there would have been a sacrifice taking place in the temple when Jesus died and gave his last breath. I mean, there, this is, God is such a God of design and order, and all of this is so symbolic of what God has done and been telling us all along. And so the disciples are continuing to go to the temple to pray. They're continuing to offer sacrifices because... Uh, I believe we've been mistakenly taught that the disciples are still scared. The disciples are just hiding in an upper room, waiting for the day of Pentecost. They don't know what to do. I believe the 40 days that Jesus began to teach them the scriptures, they began to understand it. They began to, to, to walk in the, the understanding of those scriptures, and they continued to go to the temple like they were supposed to do and meet for prayer. And so when the day of Pentecost comes, Acts chapter 2, Remember, that's the Feast of Weeks, day 50. There's a a prayer time. There's a sacrifice. There's a feast. They were all together in one place. Suddenly, the sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? How is it each one of us hears them in our native language? Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. The day of Pentecost has fully come. The feast, the beginning of the harvest, and there's this sound, mighty rushing wind. There's fire, and they spoke as the Spirit enabled them. Now, Peter is later going to tell us that when he preaches, this is the the 9 o'clock hour. Okay, so where are good Jews at the 9 o'clock hour on the Feast of Pentecost? They're in the temple, or they're at least nearby the temple, and they're right there. I believe they're right there at the Temple Mount where Mount Moriah is, and I'm wondering if we're making the connection, because at Mount Sinai, when God gave the Torah, when he gave the law, when he celebrated the first Pentecost or Passover, there was thunder and lightning. There was a sound here, there's a sound. There's a rushing mighty wind. There was fire when God came down on the mountain. There's fire on the day of Pentecost. And God spoke from the mountain. And God spoke on the day of Pentecost as the Spirit enabled them. And God is saying to his Jewish people, this is that. This is the Feast of Pentecost. And God brings it all together in this new moment. And don't miss it because God is establishing a new house, a new temple that is not made with physical stones, but is made with living stones. And law that is not written on tablets of stones, but law that has been written on human hearts. How we are to live as redeemed people to make him known. And that's what God is saying right here. And as Westerners, When we focus on the Holy Spirit coming to us, we tend to focus on the the personal encouragement and the personal comfort we get from the Holy Spirit. And that's true. But please do not miss that this is the beginning of harvest and that the Father's house is all about bringing people back to the house. I believe Luke purposely doesn't use the word temple. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. Luke uses that exact same word. It filled the entire house. He is trying to help the Jews. He's trying to help people connect to this idea that we are now the Father's house. The Spirit was given to make you and I a, an empowered house. People used to have to travel to the temple. They used to have to travel to God's house. And now we take the house to them. We take the house even right to the gates of hell. And we say, right here is where God is. When Jesus was with his disciples, he gave them this verse that's sometimes hard for us to understand. He says, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. Jesus was not telling you and I that we have the power to say to that person, Well, I don't think you've really repented, so I'm going to withhold forgiveness for you. We don't give forgiveness, we offer forgiveness because of the power of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple. And the reason that you and I can preach forgiveness, the reason that people can find forgiveness where we are is because we're the temple. And yes, the Holy Spirit gives us this power, but the disciples are connecting. Now they have the right to do this. It's not just about the empowerment to do it. It's about the right to do it. Because where the Spirit is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of God is, that's where heaven and earth meet. And the right to offer forgiveness is now anywhere you and I are. And so it's not about the the Holy Spirit coming just to make them smarter or make them braver. Yes, there's an empowerment in the Holy Spirit, but I think sometimes we don't understand what the apostles understood. And sometimes we get lazy as spirit-filled believers. We have the Holy Spirit, so we don't have to study, so we don't have to obey, so we don't have to be diligent, so we don't have to go to prayer services, so we don't have to do those things. You're right, under under Jesus, you don't have to do any of it. But if we're gonna be a spirit-empowered house, if we're going to live displaying the glory of God, we're going to diligently study the scriptures, and the Holy Spirit is going to take what we put in and he's going to bring it back out. I encouraged you in Slack this week as I was reading, don't don't stop teaching your family. Don't stop teaching your children. Don't stop reading the scriptures. Even if you read it and you're like, I don't understand what any of this means. When the Holy Spirit breathes on it, he's going to help connect the dots. I have been studying the Old Testament, and I've been studying some of the things that I'm sharing with you now since 2012. And I feel like in the last month, the Holy Spirit has breathed on it in a way has brought it together in ways I never could have before. And here's the thing, but I had to be the one to, to put it in. I had to be the one to keep doing it. And I didn't do it perfect. I was lazy. I was indifferent. I had to keep falling off the cart and keep coming back to the cart. But I kept coming back to the book, and I kept getting it in me. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he breathes on it, and he makes it alive. And the Jews understood that. Because you and I have a mission, and that mission, should we choose to accept it, is found in 1 Peter chapter 2. And I didn't write that. I don't believe I put that on your handout, but write it down. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. You are a chosen people. You are a, a royal priesthood. You are a people belonging to God to declare the praises of him who brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We have become a spirit empowered house to to present who Jesus is to this world. And I hope you're getting as excited in your home as I'm getting right here. But um, this is so good. And then Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost, and he connects the dots for these Jews. He brings in things that they would know. They would know the writings of the prophets. So when he says, Joel said this, this is that. And when he brings up what David said in the Psalms, it's interesting to me that the second, or the third, actually, Old Testament Testament reference that Peter gives us in his sermon on the day of Pentecost Acts chapter 2, verses 34 and 35, he's actually referencing David calling uh, his son, who's going to sit on his throne, Lord. And it's the same one from Luke chapter 20 that Jesus used because the Pharisees and Sadducees were trying to question him and trap him. And he gave them that question. And after that, no one asked him questions anymore because they didn't know how to answer that. How could David call his son Lord? That's we don't have an answer for that. And Peter now understands. I mean, it's all that they have studied, all that they have learned. I don't think Jesus was just wasting his time for 40 days. He was depositing what the Holy Spirit was going to draw out of these guys and these ladies on the day of Pentecost, because there were ladies there too on the day of Pentecost. And they began to speak with with power and boldness. Not because they felt like it. Sometimes we think that when the Holy Spirit moves on us, we're always going to have like goosebumps or we're always going to have like this urge to speak. You've got to remember, when you don't have the urge to speak, we have the right to speak because we're Spirit-empowered temples. But we want to be diligent and study the Scriptures so that we don't just preach our Gospel, we preach His message and His Gospel. And we're faithful to His Word because all Scripture is God-breathed and all Scripture is useful for teaching and and training, and correcting, and rebuking in righteousness. So keep reading. Keep studying. Don't give up. If you haven't started digging into this, keep digging into it. It could take you years for the Holy Spirit to breathe on it. But guess what? God's okay with that. God wants you to go on this journey with him where he, he shows you, I've been the same God all along, and I came to you when you couldn't come to me. And I love you, and I am going to be faithful to you, but you've got to keep choosing me. And that's the message that we have as kingdom of priests. Now, I want us to look at one last scripture from Acts chapter 2. Because after Peter preaches and 3,000 people get saved, okay, Pastor Mark, remember back in February, he, he pointed to... Mount Sinai. And he said, you know, when the law was given, 3,000 people died because they worshiped the golden calf. And here on the day of Pentecost, when the law gets written on our human hearts, 3,000 people get saved. That wasn't a mistake. That was God pointing again, the people of Israel to this. And look at what happens. They devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Interesting. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Maybe the reason the Lord isn't adding daily to the number of people being saved in America is because we've been hiding in our church buildings for far too long because we thought we had to hide in an upper room somewhere, and he's like, I have given you the spirit. Go and preach the good news. Tell people that their sins have been taken care of through the cross, and tell them to put faith in me and come follow me, and I will show them who I am. So look at what they commit themselves to. Uh, If you've got your handout, I go into this there too. They commit themselves to the apostles' teaching. Basically, the apostles are teaching everything Jesus taught them. They're teaching them the law, they're teaching them the prophets, and they're teaching them the writings. Everything we now have in the New Testament, as we're going to see as we continue through the untold story, is really just the apostles explaining the fulfillment of all of these other writings. And so we want to make sure we understand what God's story has been all along. So when we, we we take these New Testament writings, we know what the context of them is so that we practice properly apply them to our lives. I believe this is also where they taught about signs and wonders and miracles that the kingdom of God comes with power. See there's been a misunderstanding in Jewish thought. The misunderstanding was if if you sin, you're going to get sick. And remember Jesus with the blind man said it's not this guy's sin and it's not his parents' sin. It's for the display of the glory of God. That's the message of signs and wonders and healing. It's everywhere the kingdom is, we declare God is healing because there's healing in the atonement. There's healing in the blood of Jesus. And that's what these disciples are teaching them. Now they don't know it all. I mean as you read through the book of Acts, you're going to realize they're learning too. The Holy Spirit is helping them connect the dots as well. And we're going to learn with them but they also committed themselves to fellowship okay the word fellowship is is literally would be better they committed themselves to community Okay? this is a big deal for Eastern and Western Western thought. We're the individual. It's about me and my personal salvation. It's about me and mine. But the kingdom of God is about community. There's so many times that it, the word you is used in Scripture and it is a plural you. And we don't understand that a lot of times. And we try to make Jesus all about me. Uh, but there's a birthright. There is a, a, the the point of the birthright for the firstborn son was to take care of everyone in the father's household. Remember, Esau despised his birthright, but Jacob chose the birthright. And we got to choose the birthright. We're going to take care of the people in the father's house. And if that means I sell something so that I can take care of somebody else, not, I say, well, you know, they're poor because they made poor choices. Ha, <laughs> ha, I'm going to sell what I did to take care of that. Well, what if they keep making those poor choices? Then I'm going to keep selling, and I'm going to keep. Why? Because I didn't get what I got because I worked hard. I got what I got because he provides for me. Every good thing I have comes from him. And when we start living like that, that's the kingdom of God mentality. And they would have understood that. They continued to the breaking of bread, or hospitality, or sharing. They didn't just sell things, they shared things. Hey, do you need what I have? I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to make a meal for you. There was this sense of camaraderie. Remember? uh, That was a part of Abraham. That was something God loved about Abraham, is his hospitality. We're told in the New Testament, continue to be hospitable because you might entertain an angel. Okay? That's a mark of the kingdom of God. And, And then they committed themselves to Prayer. Prayer. They continue to go to the temple. For those of you that say, well, you know, I, prayer services, I don't understand them. You don't have to understand them, my house will be called a house of prayer. We need to be a people who pray, pray, pray. Not just prayer services, but we're in continual pray without ceasing. Too many of us, we get up in the morning, we have our prayer time, we go about our day. Paul says, pray without ceasing. You stay connected to me because you are now a temple, and my house will be called a house of prayer. And where should we be when there's a corporate prayer gathering? Where should we be when there's a community prayer gathering? Prayer? Oh, but Pastor Tom, I don't really like that. Zoom stuff. It's a little weird. I, I, I don't care because we've been called to pray. We've been called to community and it's time for the body of Christ to start being the body of Christ. And so get on Zoom and let's have some prayer hours and let's begin to see God heal our land It's our obedience, it's our prayer, it's our walking in the word, and these things don't save us, they demonstrate who God is. So if we're a prayerless people, what are we demonstrating? If we're a disobedient people, what are we demonstrating? Our salvation doesn't depend on our ability to follow the law. Absolutely. But when we don't follow the law, when we don't live the commands of Scripture, what are we demonstrating to a world? God has called us to be a totally separate people. Not a people that pursue the things of this world. Kingdom of empire. And it's really subtle how it creeps into our lives. He called us to be a totally set-apart people. A kingdom of priests and i have put uh, on your uh, your your handout that i gave you i have put a, a a takeaway from one of ray vanderland's teachings about israel's mission and what it is to be a kingdom of priests and i'm not going to take time to read it to you but he i'm going to encourage you to read it this week and study it this week because as a kingdom of priests what should we do and he says you know we can assimilate to the world or we can isolate ourselves from the world or we can engage the world. Now, please, when you read about engaging the world, don't be one of those Christians that engages the world with hatred. You engage the world the way Jesus engaged the world. And he's going to point this out to you about how we as Jesus's followers should live. And he's going to give you scripture verses to go with it. And the four Parts of the Levitical priesthood that you're going to find in the book of Leviticus. You know the book you skip over when you read through the Bible in a year. Yeah, that book that that book was given for a purpose for them to understand their calling as a priesthood. And so he's going to help us understand that. I've given you scripture references to follow and to read. And so I'm going to encourage you this week to take some time to read through that and. Uh, Man, we got to get in the word. We've got to be a people of the word. We've got to discipline ourselves. We've got to study. We've got to be community. We've got to come together, study it together, read it together, pray it together. We've got to be connected to one another, even in a time of isolation. We've got to be hospitable to one another. We've got to share everywhere we see need, and we've got to be a people of prayer. But lest you think that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not important, let me remind you that the Apostle Paul, who in all of his writings refers back to some of this Jewish writing and Jewish history, but he says this, I pray in tongues more than all of you, but I don't just pray in tongues. I also pray in my understanding because I understand the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I, I know that praying in that spiritual language that He's provided for me helps unlock the things that I'm studying. It helps provide for me. It's not enough that I just pray in tongues. I need to I need to understand it too. And so I'm going to challenge you. Keep pursuing. If you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, that's a gift that God has for you. Peter says it on the day of Pentecost. This promise is for you and all who are afar off. This promise of empowerment, of bringing together, yes it's a a right. Yes, we have the right because of the Holy Spirit living in us. Yes, we're not led by our emotions. We're led by the truth of the scriptures that we're diligently studying. But we need that empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Because you can read the scriptures and it'll still be death to you until you let the Holy Spirit breathe on it. And so I'm going to challenge you over the next few moments, if you would just take a few moments right there. I know it's 1130, but would you take just a few moments to bow your heads right where you are. And if you have never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, I'm going to challenge you right now. Begin to ask. God, fill me with your spirit. I want to be baptized with your spirit. I want to be enabled and empowered to be your witness, to be an empowered house. God, to, to to take the things I'm studying and to understand them. I want to know what it is. I need you in the fullness of your power in my life. We need the baptism in the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I want you, if there's a member of your household that doesn't have the baptism, those of you that have, gather around them and just begin to pray for them if you don't have the understanding of what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is or what it's like begin to pray Lord reveal it to me help me make sense of it Holy Spirit show me when Jesus said when he was teaching on prayer he said if you ask your father for something why why do you think if you ask for something good he's gonna give you something bad He's going to give you his Holy Spirit in full measure. It has been the Father's desire since the beginning to live among his people, to dwell in us. So much so that he made a tabernacle and he put it in the middle of his people. He made a temple and he put it in the middle of his people. And now he has made us a house and he wants to fill you to full and overflowing. If you are a spirit-filled believer, exercise that gift every day day, many times a day. Pray in that language. Pray for understanding. Pray for the Holy Spirit to help you, to remind you of what Jesus taught. Because you know what Jesus taught? Jesus taught the law. He taught the prophets. He taught the writings. Ask Him to help you make sense of it. If there are things you don't understand even from the Old Testament, say God help me know who you are. Show me how you've revealed yourself. Help me to be your witness. It's not just about declaring the message. It's about being the message. That's what he's called us to as that spirit-empowered house. And so, Father, right now, I pray for every person who's watching this video, whether live or later, Holy Spirit, just like you came on the day of Pentecost, just like you did every time we see the, the, the disciples in the book of Acts saying, have you received the promise of the Father? Have you received the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Every time they said no, they laid hands on them. And God, even though I can't be in the room with them right now, God, we we lay our hands on every one of these believers and we say, Holy Holy Spirit, come, fill them with your power, fill them with power to be witnesses, fill them with understanding, to know all of the things that you have shown in your word, fill them, God, fill them with power, fill them with the spirit of discipline, the spirit of self-control. God, make it alive in our hearts. God, I pray for those of us that have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit but have not exercised that gift regularly. God, we have not exercised the right that we are spirit empowered vessels declaring the good news. God, we don't want to go up to the gates of hell and shout curses. We want to go up to the gates of hell and declare the good news that you're no longer counting people's sins against them. That in their ignorance they have lived, but God, you now declare there is freedom, there is healing, there is salvation for anyone that will call on the name of Jesus because you totally drank the cup of God's wrath for us. God, make us aware of that message, that good news to declare everywhere we go. God, to live it out in our lives. Make us a people that are a community. God, that display it. That when they look at the church, when they look at your community of believers, they don't see divisions. They don't see fight they don't see arguments they don't see pride God they don't see us hoarding they see us sharing they see hospitality they see us not holding in for ourselves but releasing God knowing that everything that we have been given is a gift from you and so God I pray your, your blessing Your blessing today over each and every one that's listening to this message. Holy Spirit, fill us today to full and overflowing. God, I thank you that we don't have to wait from Passover to Pentecost. We don't have to wait 50 days. We don't have to wait 10 days. God, we can be filled to the fullness. It's the promise of the Father that was released through the blood of Jesus Christ. God, help it to make sense in the ears and the hearts of everyone that listens today. God, I pray it right now in Jesus' Jesus' name. God, I pray your peace over every home right now in the name of Jesus. I pray your provision. I pray your your understanding. God, I pray your deliverance. I pray your hope over each and every household today. God, that salvation would come to every house in the name of Jesus today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're praying in your house, you don't have to stop. You can continue to pray and you can continue to, to just lean into the Lord. But when you uh, need to move on, uh, we just want to say thank you for being with us in this service. And any way we can help you, uh, reach out to us this week. God bless you this week.